Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, and welcome to the Windermere Coaching Minute. And this is our podcast uh, where we talk to Windermere professionals who bring creative ideas, some power strategies, successful routines to light. Uh, and we always like to talk to real estate professionals to learn uh, what they've done that allow, have allowed them to have a better life and a better business and helping others. And today, I've got the minimalist realtor with me. I have CJ Lawrence. CJ, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Michael, for inviting me to be part of this. Well, I have to tell you how this came about, too. Just for our listeners, um, I was having a conversation with Tracy Gillette, who is also a Windermere agent up in the Whatcom County. And she said, you've got to talk to CJ. She's got this whole thing about minimalism, and I just love it. And, uh, and I said, OK, I said, this is intriguing to me. Um, and so uh, so I reached out and you agreed. So so again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Happy to be here. So for the listeners, just a couple things. So one thing uh, I learned about you is uh, it seems like you have an insatiable appetite for In-N-Out burgers. Um, you were born in France. You were raised in San Diego. Uh, you came to Washington. And then in 2020, you uh, got your real estate license. And uh, when I went to your website, you talk about, I love this, this whole concept of helping people uh, live a minimalist lifestyle. Right. Right. Yeah. The in and out burger part is probably the most important part of that whole <laughs> yeah. speech there. Well, who doesn't love in and out burger? Right. Come I on. know. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I do. Um, I was born, I was born in France, grew up in San Diego. We've been in Washington since 2008. So been here a little while. Okay. So when you say minimalist, um, just give me kind of an overarching understanding behind that, because I know for me, uh, what comes up for me is just uh, less stuff. Um, which leads to less aggravation, which leads to a clearer mindset, which ultimately has a huge benefit long-term for a lot of different things. But I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, minimalism is very misunderstood. I think it's, it's easy to start with what minimalism isn't. And minimalism is not frugality. It's not self-deprivation. It's not just a trendy aesthetic. And you're right. It is about living with less, but even more, it's about what you get out of that. So it's about getting more time, getting more money, having more freedom to go after your goals. I'll tell you, one of my favorite definitions of minimalism is from The Minimalists. So you can find their documentaries on Netflix. But what they say is, Minimalism is the thing that gets us past the things so we can make room for life's important things, which aren't things at all. And I think 
<laughs> I love that. Kind of, isn't that great? And it's, it's so true. So I think in this day and age, it's so easy to consume anything and everything. Everything can show up in your door in, in, at, in an hour. You can go online. You can buy lots of stuff. We've all spent a lot of time doing that over the past two years. And so minimalism is really about being more intentional about the things that we own and, and as opposed to just kind of consuming and buying things on sale. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I would ask you this, do you, do you see a lot of what's happening in this day and age now too is, is kind of, I think we call it the keeping up with the Joneses, but um, you know, the new phone comes out, I gotta get the new phone. Uh, I've gotta get the bigger house. I've gotta get the faster car. I've gotta get that, you know, the, the new and improved. Um, and I think some of that leads to us having, you know, all of a sudden we look around and we've just, I mean, there's a reason why uh, people have storage units. There's a reason why now people want three car garages. And there's a reason why we, we, we want this space. And it's because we keep just accumulating. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the human brain is funny. We just tend to kind of adapt to our surroundings. And here where I live, it's one of the most affluent areas uh, in, in the country right now, the home prices are soaring. And it's it's really easy to just kind of become accustomed to these high cost items that are around you. And marketers are excellent at creating this FOMO or fear of missing out in our lives. So we, they, we feel like we need the new phone. We feel like we need to buy the biggest house we can afford. We feel like we need more space. We feel like we need more room. But the reality is that's just something that we're kind of following. And so what minimalism does and kind of what I'm doing in my business is asking my clients to take a step backwards and really think about why they're buying a home, really think about the size of their home. You mentioned three car garages. And I think at this point in time, people are buying garages to put their stuff in, not because they have three cars. There's a significant portion of Americans who cannot park their car in their garage because their garage is an oversized junk drawer. I can't remember the exact statistic, but I think it's north of 25%. Yeah, so, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Right. The storage industry in and of itself is so, so, so gigantic. There's actually more storage units than there are Starbucks. And if you could build a giant canopy of all of the storage unit space, there would be enough for every person in America to stand under it. That's how big our storage industry is. It's, it's, it's crazy. And um, you know, you bring up a good point. I want to ask you about this. So this is interesting. So you said, you know, uh, people are just buying these, you know, they've got to buy the biggest or buy the best. And what's interesting is if you think about our industry. So when I go, if let's say I'm going to get a loan, I go to lender. The lender doesn't say, well, why do you need this house? Why? They just say, well, here's what you make. And so let's give you the most money we can to go buy the biggest house you can find. Right. Right. So, and I so think you helped educate on that. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's when you get a loan and when people start to to go house hunting, they the loan officer will do a, they do a good job. This isn't a knock on, on lenders. Absolutely. They do a great job. Yes, you know, running people, making sure that they give somebody the best budget they absolutely can. But also a lender isn't going to know your Amazon spending habits or the the other your lifestyle, right? And just because a lender says you can buy a million dollar house doesn't mean that you 
need to buy a million dollar house or that you have to buy a million dollar house. Because we tend to look at homes to see if they fit our stuff. That's how we buy houses a lot of times nowadays. People, when they go looking for a house, they think to themselves, okay, is this going to fit all my stuff? So in essence, we are buying homes to fit our stuff. We're not necessarily buying homes that are going to give us more freedom, more money, you know, just if we're not spending as much, more time to pursue our dreams, more time to be with family. We're really buying homes to fit the amount of stuff that we have. And that's the conversation I'm trying to have with people is just to kind of rethink the amount of stuff that you have so that you can buy a home that fits your lifestyle that maybe is close closer to your, your job so you can be home with your family more and that you're not buying a home based on what you own, but you're buying a home based on, hey, this is the life that I want to build for myself. And this is the life that I want to build for my family. I, I, I love that. And, and, I, and again, going back to what you said, absolutely. Uh, lenders do a great job. But the question is, before they get there, is there somebody like yourself that just has these real kind of heart to heart conversations that just says, well, tell me a little bit more about why that's important to you. Right. Um, and, and so how do you start that conversation? I mean, what would that sound like? How do you how do you work that into your your services when you sit down, let's say, with a buyer? Well, a lot of times they know because they follow me on Instagram, so they know <laughs> what they're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. That's it. And I'll, I'm going to give everybody your Instagram. They're aware. They have all that stuff available. So, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. But a lot of times they're aware my the vast majority of my clients are from my sphere and, and referrals. So they're well aware of kind of what I'm getting into. But I ask a lot of why questions. So there's a difference between somebody saying, hey, I want to buy a three bedroom, two bathroom home, it needs to be 2000 square feet. And that's what we need. So my question would be, okay, let's talk about why you need that. And maybe you do, maybe you need one bedroom for, you know, you, you and your person to, to sleep in, to live in. Maybe you need a bedroom because you're both working from home. You need that dedicated office. And then maybe you have somebody that comes and stays with you on a regular basis. And that makes sense for you. But sometimes people don't stop to think about why they need that, why they need that type of a home. Why do they need three bedrooms? And if we have less stuff and they can maybe get a two bedroom home and it, it saves them a ton of money and it still gives them the lifestyle they want, then it's just kind of rethinking what we think we know in the same way that when, when a new smartphone comes out, people are like, I got to have that new phone. And we, we want it, right? We've created this, this kind of FOMO around it. There's great marketing out there, but asking ourselves, do we need this new phone? Is it worth paying, paying this money or is what we have okay? So it's the same type of situation where we're just kind of breaking it down and asking why, because we need to know why, especially in this market. It is so important in a market that is this competitive that you know why you are buying a house or that you know why you are selling a house. Your why has to be stronger than your equity and your why has to be stronger than, than any other reason because it's such a difficult market that that's what's going to sustain you through it. Well, and I love what you said. And I think, you know, one of the things we do when we coach a ninja, we call it the what's and the why's. Yeah. And, um, and I think asking that why question and then even breaking that down further into saying, okay, uh, does your why have function and benefit? Right. As opposed to, you know, like, I, I know, like, I, I, I don't know if you have kids, but I have, I have two kids. And also, why do you need that? And it goes, because I need it. That is not a why. Right. Yeah. My kids have that same line. <laughs> yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, they are eight and nine. 
Okay, so mine are a little bit older, but still the same thing, right? And by the way, it doesn't change as they get older, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, so because I need it. But I think a lot of times, going back to what you said, a lot of times we make purchasing decisions based on what we think that's what we need, as opposed to if we really were to dig deep and say, well, why? Um, you know, there's a there's a whole different meaning there. But here's my other question for you. How do you help people to let go? Because I know there's a lot of people that hold on to stuff just because there's this feeling of security of, well, but I can't get rid of it. I've always had it. Right. I think a little of that. So one example I like to, to give is, is kind of like a historical example. So in 1950, the average home was a thousand square feet. In 1970, it was 1500 square feet. Today, I think we're, we're pushing 3000 square feet. So it's, it's fairly safe to say that it's common for people to want a home over 2000 square feet. And a lot of people are just like, hey, the bigger, the better. But right. despite the growing home sizes, what's fascinating is the average household size hasn't changed. So if we look at 1950 and we've got a square feet and we look at today and we've got 3,000 square feet it's not that we have bigger families we have way more stuff we have yep. garages those three-car garages we have walk-in closets we need pantries we need built-ins and our stuff has grown so much that we're basing these home buying decisions according to how much stuff we have not how many family members we have and while there's nothing wrong with stuff and only you can decide how much stuff is enough we really have to take a moment and decide if we really need all of that stuff and are we holding on to it out of guilt or out of value because right. that's really the key there. There's a lot of times where we hold on to things because we've always had it, because it's sentimental, because we have bought it, we've paid money for it, we feel guilty letting it go. But there's also a cost to carrying clutter. It really does affect your life. And there's a piece of it where you have to just release the guilt and let it go. We live in a day and age where almost everything can be replaced if, if you need to replace it. Not that we should be constantly replacing items, but in terms of your example, and when somebody's got, I don't think I can get rid of this, I've had it forever, is it something that you can, can replace? And if so, it's probably okay to let it go. In fact, most of the time you won't replace it. If you haven't used it in the last six months, you probably aren't going to use it in the next six months. Exactly. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, and I think uh, the point that you made there, which was great, is, um, you know, when we when we let go of stuff, I, I think there's another another thing that happens too when you have a lot of clutter that's at this more mental, and it's this attention deficit, uh, they call it to where it takes up space in my mind, even though yes. I don't think because it's sitting there, you know, like I know for myself, if I look at my garage, and it's just chaos, and there's stuff everywhere, and it's cluttered. It's not just clutter that I see, it's clutter that I feel. Yes. Yes. And there are scientific studies that have been documented on the effect of clutter and the quality of your sleep. So if you have a super cluttered bedroom, then it will absolutely affect your sleep. And on a very extreme scale, people that are technical hoarders have very terrible sleep patterns. So it, you're absolutely right. Our environment directly affects our mental state, our sleep, and our quality of life. And really, a lot of the stuff that we have, we don't use. We don't really, really need it. When I first got into minimalism and started giving away half my house, I had things like seven spatulas. I don't need <laughs> seven spatulas. Why do I have those? You know? <laughs> right. I know. Exactly. And, and some of them are probably the same size. 
Right, right. Yeah, there was a few of them. And I, I remember I took everything out of my kitchen drawers, everything out. I put it all over my counters. There was pots and pans all over my floor. I just, I took it all out and just looked at it and it was horrifying. And I wouldn't have told you that I had a cluttered kitchen before. I would not have said, oh, I have too many kitchen items. I wouldn't have said that. But looking at it through a different lens, I had duplicates of a lot of things. I have things that I'd gotten maybe as gifts that I'd never used or things that I bought for something that I used one time, things like that, that just were kind of sitting there, hadn't used them in years. And so what I did is I donated everything that I wasn't using on a regular basis. And I think I have replaced one item that I've given away. So it wasn't that I had a ton of kitchen clutter. It wasn't that I had um, an abundance of, of stuff there, really. It just was that I had a lot of stuff that I didn't actually need and that I wasn't actually using. Yeah, I, I, I think back, it, as you tell the story, it, it conjures up images of my, my childhood where I can remember my mom and dad having like a hutch where the, the fine dishes and all the stuff was there. And I don't think it ever got opened or used, but it took up a massive amount of space right. in the dining room and it got dusted all the time. And I just always ask myself, why is that? I mean, it never gets used. It's just sitting there. And I think that if you really took uh, inventory, if you will, a lot of us, uh, that are listening to this call, if you just took inventory of going through your house and a lot of the stuff that CJ is talking about, I think we all could find stuff that could just say, you know what, is this benefiting me? Right. And I think when we look at the amount of stuff that we have, and you know, to refer back to the example of the smaller homes in, in the 50s, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we happier now than people were in the 50s because we own so much more stuff? We have access to so much more stuff. Is that really, truly making us happier? Is that really, truly giving us a more fulfilled life? It's a subjective question. My answer to that would be no. And maybe for some people, it would be, yeah, absolutely. I think that we are a much happier demographic now that we have so much more stuff. To me, the answer to that is no, or maybe it's, it's marginal, right? But really, truly, there are so many things in our lives, in our homes that we don't use, but we take care of them. Like that hutch you mentioned, you've got to dust it. You've got to clean it. You have to care yeah. for it. So there's a cost to it for something that you really aren't using. And we're in a place now where the average home contains about 300,000 items, 300,000 wow. wow. items. It's a, it's a gigantic number. Um. You had, you told me a great story when we were talking, kind of prepping for this podcast, and you told me about uh, one of your buyers, and kind of walk me through that, because you helped them to, and, and it was uh, surprising to you uh, what the end result ended up being, but uh, talk to me a little bit about that, where you're saying about all of a sudden, with, with the, they didn't have very many boxes, and they had, when they had made the move, and you'd kind of help them through this. Right, so I, I put their house on the market last year, some great great clients. And as we were prepping the house for listing, you know, like I told you, people know when they get involved with me, this is what they're getting. So <laughs> she was aware that she was going to get a few TED talks here and here, here and there about <laughs> mental stuff. But uh, as we went through it and as, you know, they were starting to kind of get ready for their move. And I was saying things like, Hey, make sure you're only bringing your favorite things into this next chapter. You don't, as you're going through and packing those things, ask yourself, 
is this something that I want in my next chapter? Is this something I'm using? Is this something I love? It adds value, beauty to my life? Or are we just throwing stuff in a box? You have an opportunity here to be intentional. So we talked a lot about that as we, as we prepped the house for market. Their house sold. And while they were looking for a new home, they wanted to buy a new construction home. And so went to the site and kind of looked at the different models that they had. And they, they loved this model that was a, it was a really big house, much bigger than they had before. They thought, oh my gosh, this is great. But the more we spent time together and the more we talked about the idea of living with less, the more they kind of rethought what they were doing. And so they ended up not buying this big, huge model. They bought a lesser model. It still accommodated the needs that they had in their next home, but it just wasn't as big and it saved them money. Right. What was shocking to me was when I went to go drop off closing gifts to them. Mm-hmm. I had walked in and they said, Oh, the movers just left. And, and so I walked in and I kind of, I looked around and I was standing in the living room area. It was open concept, kitchen, living room, dining room. And I was looking around and I said, well, where's all your stuff? Did they bring it upstairs? And she said, no, 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 this is our stuff. And she points behind her and there's a, there's a, a stack of boxes, a pile of boxes, but the pile of boxes is just in the dining room and it's not that big. And I said, no, where's like the rest of your stuff? And she goes, no, CJ, this is it. This is what <laughs> we brought. And I said, no way. I said, I'm going to go upstairs. You hold on. And so I ran upstairs and I was looking around and they had the bed set up in there, but that was it. That was, that was- it. And they had gotten rid of so much stuff and they were so happy. And her husband actually thought I was absolutely nutso because he was um, a sneakerhead. He had a ton of really awesome sneakers. And I said, dude, where's your shoes? And he was like, got rid of them. And I was like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> so, but towards the process, he, he kind of realized too, oh my gosh, if we don't have as much stuff, we don't have to clean as much stuff. We don't have to pick up as much stuff. We don't have to care for as much stuff. And so they started this new chapter in this new construction house with all of their favorite things and so much more time to spend with their family and not cleaning stuff and not doing as much laundry and not kind of all that stuff. It has given them so much freedom and saved them money. So it was a, it was a remarkable experience for me and, and cool for them too. Well, and, and this brings up a, a great point. So when we when we look at our, our business of being real estate agents, and I think so many times uh, we get painted a picture, well, you know, you're, you're paid on commission. And so you're going to push us to buy the more expensive house, you're going to make us do this, make us do that, which isn't the case. But you know, sometimes that's a perception out there. But I, what I love about it is that, you know, when you provide this level of service or this level of value to your clients, and I just wrote a few things down that I heard as you're talking and telling the story is that you know when you have clients where you're giving them this level of expertise and talking them through these things, uh, it sounds like they walk away after a transaction with more freedom. Uh, it sounds like possibly less stress because they're releasing, right? They're getting rid of stuff, less right. expenses. And then mm-hmm. I got to believe they're singing your praises because you just kind of changed the way they looked at what they're doing and where they're moving forward in their life. 
I hope so. That's the goal. I think for a long time, the real estate industry has been a bigger, better, more, faster kind of machine. And I feel like it's time for that to be disrupted. I think that we need to rethink the way that we are buying and selling homes and really take the time to do this with our clients. And I think that there's a lot of real estate programs out there that do that. And I think it's, I think it's great, but I do think it's time, like you said, the public maybe has a perception of real estate agents. And I think we need to do a better job as, as, as an industry, as, you know, cap, you know, overall industry at, at helping our clients achieve not just their home goals, but, but what does this home mean to their life and their lifestyle? Because we, we want to help people live a better life. And so to me, minimalism is a way that we can help people, especially in this fast and furious market, know why they're buying a home, but also give them more than just the keys. I agree. And in fact, I was just at a talk with Matthew Gardner and the other impact it has is that, um, you know, when we look at uh, we look at this high buyer demand and this inventory issue that we're, we're facing in this day and age. Um, but there's a lot of homes that are being built that aren't being built for uh, that minimalist type of mindset. Right. You know, when you see new homes go up and they're like you said, they're 3000 square feet or 3400 square feet with a three car garage. Um, it, you know, it's not really meeting the needs of a lot of people said, Hey, you know what, where's, where's, the, where's the ability for us to have a smaller home, right? That's, that's new that, um, that gives us that kind of minimalist mindset. I think that I think we also need builders to take some of this stuff into consideration as well, when it comes to, uh, just creating new housing, right? Is, is, yeah. is there still this need for these big, huge, massive homes? And I would love it. I would love to see to see builders kind of take that on. I think there's a happy medium somewhere between tiny houses and, and giant mansions where, where we can look at things like this is this is functional and livable for our families. There's a there's a documentary, it's one of the minimalist documentaries that shows they they took a home and they had you know people living in this home for i think it was i don't know a, a little while and then they did a heat map kind of of this home and the majority of of their time was spent in in kitchen living room family room just in this tiny little area i mean less than a thousand square feet the vast majority of their time in this very small area and it's so interesting to see because it was a big house so really We've, we've told ourselves that we think we need so much space. And in some cases, people do need space. I don't wanna discount that because yes. there's absolutely instances where, where that, that is a need. But overall, I think we've just created this, hey, this is what's normal, this is what we do. And I think in this market with, with the way that things are, I believe that people are out there buying homes from, from a FOMO place from, you know, they, oh, we don't want to miss out. So we're just, we got to get in now. And we're going to buy a house and we're going to buy this big one because we're only going to be able to do it now. And we're not stopping to just, to just think, is this the right time to buy a house? Is this the right house for my family? And so I, I really do wish, as you said, that there was some sort of middle ground that we don't have to have these tiny houses, which are super cool. And some people, some people like those, yeah. but it, you're right. There's, there's a, there's a gap there's a real big gap there that I think we could fill with homes that are, are smaller than the 3000 square feet and, and functional. 
Well, and I also think, and, and so that, at that, and also uh, in our industry and being a real estate agent is like you're doing is having a mindset that, you know, I'm not here to sell you the house, but I'm here to ask questions uh, to dig a little bit deeper. So uh, this next chapter, you're going to be happy and you're going to be fulfilled and you're going to be moving on to that next place in your life. And might that be in something that, like we said, uh, gives you more freedom, gives you less stress and less expense. Right. Because the truth is the house isn't going to make you happy. No, uh, exactly. Right. Like it doesn't matter what house you buy. The house isn't going to make you happy. And I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up if you're a buyer and you've been out there and just trying so hard to get into a home and and you're telling yourself or it just kind of gives you that feeling of I just need to get a house and I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. I just need to get a house and I'll be happy. A house isn't going to make you happy. It might for a moment you'll get in there and it'll be great. But over time, you still have to live in that house. You still have to pay that mortgage. And so the things that actually make us happy are not things at all. There are our family and our community and, and those types of things. So if we're if we're buying a home that's going to give us more time, which is the ultimate commodity with our family and our friends or something that brings us closer to our personal professional goals, that's really where the value is. But I think we put way too much emphasis in I just need to get this house and that's going to make me happy. Yeah. I agree. Well, I have to tell you from this conversation uh, right now, I'm really wanting to go home this weekend and give stuff away. I don't know. If it... <laughs> it's a good, good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go over and give stuff away. So, I, so here's one of my beliefs. I believe when we know, when we know more, we do better. And so you mentioned a few things. If somebody wanted to learn more about, uh, about just minimalist in general, or is there any, anything that I said, you, you said to me when we were talking that when people work with you, they know they might get a Ted talk or two. Well, is there a recommendation you have for that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, some of my, res- the, my favorite resources are, are there's two documentaries on Netflix that are made by the minimalists and that's Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. They're kind of the, the original minimalist. Minimalism is not a new concept. It goes back since kind of the beginning of time, but they've labeled themselves the minimalist and kind of are the leaders of this, this modern minimalism. Um, and then also one of my favorite books is called Becoming Minimalist. And it's by a guy named Joshua Becker. And he started kind of just clearing out his garage and realizing that he was spending so much time trying to sort through his stuff and doing all this cleaning that he was missing out on spending time with his kid. And that if he didn't have this much stuff, he actually would be able to spend more time with his family and not caring for, um, not caring for his stuff. So that book becoming minimalist is really good. And the documentaries by the minimalists on Netflix are, are great as well. I love it. So I'm going to put those in the show notes. And then if I'm a, if I'm a buyer seller today and I'm in your marketplace, how's, what's the best way for me to get a hold of you? Because you know what, I want some more of what you're talking about. And I want to figure out how to become a minimalist purchaser or a minimalist seller and change that for me. What, how would they get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me, or maybe the easiest way to kind of get to know me is on Instagram. And that's really easy. It's just at the minimalist realtor. Perfect at the Minimalist Realtor. And then I also know you have a website, which is just uh, cjlawrencerealestate.com. And, uh, and that's, and then um, what's your email address? cj at windermere.com. Perfect. cj at windermere.com. 
Well, CJ, any, anything else come to mind for the listeners just when it comes to minimalism or if, uh, you know, if they're in the process right now of just thinking about, oh, we want to do something, any, any, any little wisdoms and nuggets before we kind of wrap up? I'd say just give yourself some grace and give yourself some time. It's not something that you have to subscribe to and immediately go and, and just uproot all of your stuff. But I think I would love for people just to reconsider why they're buying a home, what they want out of their home and really what they want for their lives. And then ask themselves if living with less stuff is a way to, to further themselves and their family. Uh, There's a lot of great resources out there. If we're talking about decluttering, my, my number one recommendation is to always start in, in the bathroom because it's not an emotional space. There's not a lot of sentimental value attached to things that live in the bathroom. So, and it gives you the ability to really experience what it's like to live with less. So removing everything that you don't regularly use from that space gives you an opportunity to kind of experience that and, and then maybe move on from there. I love it. That's, that's terrific. My takeaways from our call today is that, um, you know, uh, I want to go just see how I can be more of a minimalist. And I'm going to look into some of your resources that you mentioned as well. And I'm also craving it in an outburger now from our yes, uh, previous conversation. Right? So, and I don't know if I'm going to California anytime soon. Um, but I also, it's just a joy talking with you. And I love this kind of new look on things. I, I think that we always need to look at our industry and how we provide value and services to our clients in a different light. And I love that you have this concept. And I would hope that more agents that listen to this podcast would think to themselves, how can they help their clients kind of down this road a little bit too? Because um, I know when, when I do coaching and a lot of it is mindset, I will tell you, um, we talk a lot about minimalism really frees the mind. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep, to really focus on. on the things that really matter in life. And I think that's that if we really got down to the bottom of it, that's kind of what you're talking about. Absolutely. I think it's people tend to think about minimalism as, as something that it takes away. You're losing stuff, but it's really, truly what you're gaining and you're spot on. You're gaining more freedom in your space, more freedom in your mind, more freedom in your life. You're probably spending less money. So more freedom in your budget and really what's giving you that ironically is having limitations with your stuff. So setting those limitations for yourself is really actually what's giving you the freedom to, to do the things that you want to do to have the focus in your life that you're craving. It really is just limiting your stuff so that you can pursue things that aren't things at all. Yeah, it's, I love it. Well, hey, CJ, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And for our listeners out there, hopefully you found this helpful. Uh, if you like what we're doing, let us know. Uh, feel free to share this. And again, I will put all of CJ's contact information in the show notes. And we always like to end these podcasts first by thank you, CJ, for taking the time today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And also, we always say, everyone, hey, uh, have a great day and be awesome and help somebody. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.